Eagles Entertainment. Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles. Everything that move, I don't get hold of him. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown! You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right of the week, and we've got a roster to break down today. It's Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 351. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with a pair of guests, and these are two abbreviated conversations that I was psyched to have with a couple of the Eagles' assistant coaches. The first one, it comes from the first edition of the Eagles' coaches' Masterclass, where I caught up with Eagles linebackers coach Nick Rallis, who joined me to discuss the art of defeating blocks as a linebacker in a really, really insightful conversation, which you can find right now up on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, the Eagles mobile app, and the Eagles YouTube page. I carved out a few audio-friendly clips for this show, but for that full experience, you really have to go and watch the video because there are a bunch of film clips to support what Coach is saying, and it's not just from a game. What I loved about this, too, Coach actually pulled some really awesome practice footage of how he teaches his guys and gets into that uh, throughout the conversation of the, the teaching process and how to coach his guys up through every step of the way really kind of gets into the eyes and the mind of an assistant coach. And I thought that was awesome. And I also recently caught up with the Eagles wide receivers coach, Aaron Moorhead to talk about on the other, other side of the ball, how to defeat press coverage as a receiver. So uh, with both of these positions, with both of these topics, we talk about playing through contact and it obviously football, a contact sport. I'm a big believer that in every position you have got to be able to play through contact. And so really good to be able to sit down with both of these coaches and go through a big part of that on the other, in each of their respective positions. Now, uh, before we get going, a couple things we want to hit on. First up, I'm going to ask you as always jump onto Apple podcast, throw us your support with a rating or a comment. Look next week, we've got our first regular season edition of this show where I'm going to catch up with Greg Cosell, and we're going to preview the Eagles week one matchup against the Atlanta Falcons. I can't wait to dive in uh, to this conversation with Greg, because I've done a lot of studying of this Falcons team on both sides of the football, not just from the summer, but getting into what Dean Pease is going to do on defense, what Arthur Smith is going to do on offense. Greg obviously has a wealth of knowledge uh, with both of those coaches. So I'm excited to see what he has to say about this matchup. We start that next week, right here on the Eagle Line in the Sky podcast. You do not want to miss that. Make sure you stay subscribed right here to the feed. And if you've got a question about this team, all you have to do is jump on to the Eagle Line in the Sky podcast, whether it's on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or, or Spotify, Google Play, wherever you listen, leave us a rating, leave us a comment. It's a great way to throw us your support and we can interact with you as well, uh, answer any questions that you may have. Also, College football underway. We've got we we had week zero already last week. Now we've got a full slate of games on for week one, and we break it all down over on the Journey to the Draft podcast. Uh, look, the Eagles right now have two first round picks. The potential for three first round picks next April. So the best thing you can do to get yourself ready for that draft. Make sure you subscribe to the Journey of the Draft podcast. We have two episodes a week. We've got great guests every single week. We've got Ben Fennell, Dane Brugler, Ross Tucker, Eric Galco from the Shrine Bowl, and a host of other guests. All those guys I just named, they're on every single week on the Journey of the Draft. So I don't know why. If you're not already, make sure you go subscribe. Uh, it was one of my favorite things to do. I love putting that show together. Uh, so make sure you go subscribe to the Journey of the Draft podcast wherever podcasts can be found. And then also, look, the other big thing, the Eagles uh, coming out with their initial 
53-man roster. And look, there's outstanding analysis of the announcement of the 53-man roster over on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Dave Spadaro, the Eagles Insider, did a great job uh, of breaking it all down. I know he's got some great content over on the Eagles Insider podcast as well. I'm just going to kind of breeze through and just give some overarching thoughts. Obviously, a quarterback, the Eagles come into the into the, into the the season with three quarterbacks on the roster after the trade for Gardner Minshew. Jalen Hurts officially uh, named the starting quarterback by head coach Nick Sirianni this past week. At running back, only three running backs on the roster uh, to go in uh, on the initial 53. You've got Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, and the rookie Kenny Gainwell, who really came on, especially the last couple weeks of camp. I, I really felt that way about a lot of the rookies, that they got better each and every week on something we have been talking about a lot here on this show. At wide receiver, five wideouts make this make this team out of camp. Uh, J.J. Arthago-Whiteside, Jalen Rager, Devontae Smith, Greg Ward, Quez Watkins. Uh, look, all these guys had really good flashes different points during the summer. Excited to see how all of these guys are used in the structure of this Eagles offense. Four tight ends on the roster. you got a couple uh, former undrafted free agents there, Jack Stoll and Tyree Jackson. Jackson, obviously, uh, dealing with that injury. Stoll, look, he flashed uh, throughout the course of camp, throughout the course of preseason. So good for him uh, in earning a 53-man roster spot out of training camp, the undrafted free agent out of Nebraska. Offensive line, 10 selections here, or 10 picks here for the Eagles on the 53, uh, including the announcement that Jordan Mailata would officially be the starting left tackle. Uh, he had an outstanding summer and build off what was an outstanding breakout a year ago. Look, he, he's still coming along in, in some aspects, but uh, Jordan has looked really, really impressive all summer long. Excited to see uh, what he does here as we move into the regular season. On the defensive side of the football, five defensive ends, four defensive tackles, including a couple of the rookies, Marlon Tui Pelotu, Milton Williams, Teron Jackson, all three rookie draft picks along the defensive front. They make it uh, to the initial 53-man roster. This defensive line is going to be a strength for this team. Seven linebackers uh, make it out of camp. Five corners make it out of camp. Just four safeties. But uh, you look at that back seven, I think a couple of the guys that really stood out to me, obviously we talk a lot about Zach McPherson throughout camp. He flashed early and often. Uh, and then you look at linebacker. I'm really excited to see what Davion Taylor looks like when he gets back. I thought he had a really good, strong start uh, to train camp. And you had other guys that chipped in along the way, you know, whether you're talking about, you know, Sean Bradley and Patrick Johnson, some of these other young guys, but then you've got the stalwarts, right? You know, Alex, Alex Singleton and Eric Wilson got a majority of the first team reps in, in the preseason. So you're getting a sense of what this linebacker group is going to look like and how these guys are all going to be used. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's Wednesday afternoon right now. Uh, as I'm recording this, the 53 could change between now and week one, but it's always evolving, and it's interesting just to see uh, what this group looks like coming out of a very spirited, very energetic, uh, very developmental training camp. There was a lot of teaching, a lot of learning, and a lot of improving on a daily and weekly basis. And I think that's really important to see for a young football team that the Eagles have here. But like I said, uh, plenty of analysis over on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Make sure you go check out all of the work that's been done by Dave Spadaro, by Chris McPherson, everybody uh, over at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Go check it all out uh, on the website, mobile app, and social channels. Uh, let's get now into Chalk Talk. I'm excited to sit down here with Nick Rallis and with Aaron Moorhead. Go check it out right now in Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. Please be joined today by Eagles linebackers coach Nick Rollis to talk about defeating blocks at the linebacker position. Coach, thanks so much for joining us here today. Yeah, Fran, thanks for having me. I'm excited to do this. So before we get into the film, just want to kind of pepper you with this question. When you're talking about defeating blocks, obviously it's one of the staples of playing linebacker. You're going to play through contact. What are some of the general coaching points and some of the general ways that you're looking for your guys to be able to defeat blocks on the move? Yeah, so the first thing is 100% block attention. So what does that mean? So 
they might be keen to running back, the tight end early in the play, right? Trying to get to the right gap, the right spot to fit. But as soon as this lineman or tight end or fullback is on me and he's going to block me, I got to snap my eyes to him. I got to see what I'm striking. So if I'm still looking for the ball, that guy's going to block me. Now, there's several different types of ways to defeat blocks. So this first one I wanted to talk about is what we call a shock and shed. Hmm. So shock and shed is your standard punch, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rip away from them. I'm going to shed in the, re- in the opposite direction that I'm trying to go. So the coaching point with this is really to coil and strike. Hmm. So what I mean by that is, like, you've seen the videos of, like, a snake, like an, like an animal plant or something like that. Sure, like that yeah. deal, right? When they, get, when they get coiled up before they go snap out at their prey, right, they're coiled, and then it's, bam, it's explosive. Right, because these alignment weigh 300 plus pounds. You know, my guys are 220s to 250. So, how do we generate more force, more power than those offensive linemen? And that's to coil and explosively strike at the guy. Right. So, when I strike, though, I don't want to put my head down and strike. I don't want. I want to get my head out of it. So, we're striking with our hands. Right. We're shooting our hips. We're getting triple extension through the waist. All right. And I'm locking out. I want my hands ideally inside with my thumbs up. Okay, and the thumbs up is to put your shoulders in the correct position, lock your scalp down. All right, hands inside helps you get it on the on the guy's breastplate and really control the man. Now I can shed in the direction I want to go. Coach, I love that coaching point about having both feet in the ground. Like, that's where all your power comes from, that ability to kind of transfer that uh, into the opponent. Is that a hard thing to be able to teach? Because you talked about how, you know, when you're about to take on contact, you got to get back square to the line of scrimmage. Is that a hard thing to teach for guys that maybe don't do that naturally? It takes a great deal of athleticism, Got it. right? And that's why these guys are professionals. And I think everybody can do it, whether it comes natural to them or you have to teach it. But at this level, most guys have the ability to do that, right? But it does take practice. And I'll kind of show you how we practice mm. getting into that position here as we go. For those linebackers, how do you, is it like kind of a, a play-by-play thing where you don't know if you're going to try and engage and stack and shed or whether you're just trying to pop them and shock them? Yeah, you know, that's a, a pop and shock. That's really good. So it can depend on where's the ball carrier in relation to this guy. If the ball carrier is right behind him, I might have to have a little bit more gap integrity, right? Uh-huh. I got to take care of this A-gap, so I'm going to strike him, and I'm going to stay on that block a little bit longer. And then once I see the ball cut, now I can get off. Or is the ball carrier way away from the play like this one here? He's just going to shock him and, and almost pop away from his body, mm. right? So I'm going to shock and get off this guy. I'm not going to dance around with this block. I'm going to go get to the football. Name of the game, right? Get to the football. And we're getting into like the mental part of the run fit. But when you have linebackers coming out of college, not, not too often you're seeing these two back sets down at that level. So is it hard to try and coach those guys up to be able to recognize the, what, what's coming from those two back looks? Yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't say it's, it's hard. It's just a little new, yeah. right? And so you have to make sure that you go back to the basics and you can't take anything for granted. Like, hey, when they get in this back set with the eye, eye far, eye near, what can happen? You know, I think a big thing with that coaching point with to you get eye backs is make sure you snap your eyes to that fullback when it's time to go take him on. You can't still be looking at that running back. It's going to happen fast. Those fullbacks will get to you quick, 100% block attention. Right, so this is kind of the first step. Everything we do, we compartmentalize it to where it's whole part whole. All right, so I'm going to introduce the concept shock and shed as a whole. Then we're going to work the part. So let's just work the the shock from a static position. Maybe we start on our knees and and do it. So take away the element of having to stand and go through your your ankles. Right, we're just going through the hips and hands. 
Then we go from there, going through all three ankles, hips, hands, extension. All right. Then we'll move with it. Hmm. Right. And so the reason that I don't hit a sled is because one, the sled doesn't actually mimic the forces in the game. So what I mean by that is not only does the linebacker deliver the force, but he has to absorb force from the, from the blocker, okay? And a sled just sitting there static, they never get that I have to absorb and stop his force and deliver my own. Sure. So what I'm trying to simulate here is giving them, now I'm not going to mimic 100% what an offensive lineman can do at this <laughs> level, but I can simulate, hey, I'm coming at you. I'm delivering this force to you. you got to be able to absorb that and actually deliver it back to me. Right. And so that's why I like to be the one. It, it's more mechanically sound. Right. It mimics the forces and it mimics the exact movements. Right. And I know that doing the medicine ball with the tight hands and on the blocker, I know that they're actually getting in the correct positions that they need to get in. I love it. All right. So let's get to uh, another look here. What's the, what are we seeing here with this play against Dallas? Yeah. So this technique now is different from shock and shed. Okay. So there's a time to shock and shed where, yeah, I got to play my gap. And I'm going to control this block, but now I want to pull into the next gap and go finish on the football, right? We want population of the ball. But there's also times where it's, hey, I see an opening. I'm going to go take it. I'm going to go make this play now. And so we don't necessarily want to shock and shed because we'll slow down. We get into a power position. There's times where I want to keep accelerating. Mm. So this technique we call rip and pry. So now is the time when I want to accelerate past this lineman and I don't even want him to touch me. I'm going to go make a play on the ball right now. So now instead of getting tipped over, he continues to accelerate through the ball carrier, and he's able to get this ball down right now. So, it's, I mean, it's similar to a pass rusher trying to dip a corner on an offensive tackle, a wide receiver defeating a jam from a press corner. Same kind of idea. You're trying to prevent, uh, lower that, that target space for an offensive player to be able to block you. Correct, correct. Take away that inside pad. Take away your peck. Now, there's a second piece of this. What happens when that lineman gets a little bit of my pad? Okay. Okay. So if they get a little bit of that pad, we're all right still. This is where we want to knuckle back. So you can see Alex here. He's taking surface away. He's ripping through. And now this is why we call it rip and pry because he's going to pry himself through. So, yeah, he doesn't get a clean shot through there. This guy is able to get surface, right? He gets that right pad. But watch what he does. He's going to rip, and he's actually going to take his knuckles back. So what you're doing when you take your knuckles back is you're actually frying that guy's arm out of there, right? That guy can't keep his arm in there because it's going to get jammed up. It's going to be a natural reaction for that guy to protect himself. So it's got to be a really violent rip through and get your literally get your knuckles out behind your shoulder blades. Correct. Think about it as like you're just opening up your, your chest. Gotcha. Now, right? It doesn't actually have to be violent. I just got to make sure I get to this position because now his arm's in an awkward spot. He's got to take it out of there. And the other thing that it does is it actually kind of brings my hips through naturally sure. to the running back where I got to go. So this is a good clip of Alex doing it from last year. He didn't get clean through there, so he knuckles back and he's able to now go finish through it. So we've talked about taking on these higher blocks, whether it's shock and shed or rip and pry. But now what happens when this guy comes to cut me? So this is why it's important that we are playing with our hands because now we can naturally react and put our hands on this man. So here's the coaching point of if we get a cut block. First is still what? 100% block attention. I have to see the guy that I'm taking on in order to defeat that block. Otherwise, if I'm looking at the ball carrier, he's going to roll right through my legs. 
But the number one coaching point beyond that is I got to get my hand to his helmet. Okay. Cause when these guys are cutting, they're going to go through your leg and then they're just kind of try to keep rolling up the field. So if I don't get that guy's helmet, it's not going to impede his progress and he's going to keep moving through me. Well, if he's moving through me, I mean, his body's going to get in the way of my legs. I'm going down or at least I'm going to stumble. Right. And if I stumble, he won on the play. So if I get the helmet, it actually impedes his progress. So what that does is now the guy's not going to go through my legs. So the next coaching point to that is once you get a good hand on the helmet is I'm going to press down and away. So that's also playing into how do we not let this guy roll through my legs, hand on the helmet, down and away, and you're actually going to give a little bit of ground. So now you can see Kendrick's legs are free to move through to continue to the ball carrier. So, Coach, we've seen the all three different ways for defeating blocks. My last question for you is this. Linebackers in today's game, obviously all kinds of shapes and sizes, as you mentioned. And when they come from college, guys are asked to do all kinds of things. And even in your linebacker room, I mean, you've seen defensive linemen, linebackers, safeties, defensive backs, slot corners. When you have these guys and you have to try and teach them how to see things from a stack position – can that be difficult? How long does it take a guy to get comfortable playing in the box? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, every guy is different, but that is always the adjustment. If a guy hasn't played stacked behind the ball yep. is process, right? Mm. You process things a little bit faster down low because mm. those linemen, they get up quick. The run pass reads, they happen fast for you. So that's the biggest adjustment if a guy has never played in the box is how quickly can he get used to going through his keys and getting to where he needs to get to, getting his eyes in the right spot, going back to 100% block attention. All of that process right, is kind of the adjustment if a guy hadn't played in the box before. And everyone is different, right? It's going to take some guys a day. Some guys it might take uh, a couple weeks. Yep. So, I'm joined by Eagles wide receivers coach Aaron Moorhead. Coach, thanks for joining us here to talk about wide receiver play. I appreciate you having me, man. Excited about it. So today we are going to focus in on one of the, the hallmarks, one of the benchmarks of playing the position at a high level, and that's the ability to defeat press coverage. So I guess before we get to the film, could you just kind of go through for the fans, for our, our viewers at home, what are some of the big coaching points for you when you're working with the guys to defeat press coverage? There's not a lot of science behind it, right, at the end of the day, right? Uh, you you got to be able to move the DB off of his grass. He owns his grass. we got to move him off his grass. And then when he tries to put his hands on you, you want to defeat his hands early, and then we want to defeat his hands late. So there's little nuances within all that, but at the same time, we got to be able to get going down the field, put pressure on the safeties to have to get over the top and, and, and help those corners. And, you know, the, the more time you spend at the line, the more time the defensive line has to get to the quarterback, the more time that safeties have to, to, to read the quarterback's eyes and potentially make a play. So we got to do it fast. We got to do it with precision and we got to do it efficiently. And I guess really the goal is, Hey, we got to get from A to B, put stress on that safety. Like you mentioned, I guess the, the difficult part uh, for us on the outside as well, so many variables because you have the, the side, different sizes and skill sets of receivers, different si sizes and leverages of DBs. So not every release is going to look the same. But like you mentioned, there's going to be a lot of nuance there. Yeah. You have to be able to understand from week to week, how they play. Do they play a different leverage from the boundary to the field? Does one guy play differently than the other? Do some guys like to use their hands? Some guys like to soft shoot and don't really want to use their hands. They use their quickness. Some guys with length, you like to, like to one hand stab. Some guys like to two hand stab. So what are you looking at week to week? Just giving the guys just a little bit of the answers to the test before we get to the game. And then obviously you always adjust in game to something that might be going on a little different than what you saw on tape. 
And as Jalen's getting outside, we want to play with low surface here. We don't want to give the DB a big shoulder to get his hands on. We got to make sure we get his hands off. So right here, as Jalen's going around King right here, you see King wants to put his hands on Jalen's shoulder. All right, so Jalen's going to take his inside hand, and he's going to get that hand off right there. That's the first huge step of this whole thing. Now, as Jalen gets vertical past King right here, now he's looking back a little bit towards Jalen, all right? And now we're running down the field, and you can see he's not going to quit messing with his hands. You can see King still wants to put his hands on Jalen right here. We're going to swipe it, get his hands off, and now we use our speed to separate and make a play on the ball. Coach, one of the things I always point to in a lot of these breakdowns is that the red line. Can you take us through the, the importance of a receiver holding that red line and what that looks like? Yeah, the red line is really the midway point or even a little bit outside between the bottom of the numbers and the sideline. And that just allows the quarterback to drop the ball in over your outside shoulder and allows you as the receiver to adjust the ball outside without the corner being able just to squeeze you off with his body presence. So, again, just holding that line as much as possible and not making the quarterback quarterback has to make the perfect throw every time. Is it one of those things where when you have a guy that size, hey, you can rely on that play strength, that ability to fight through that contact, use that to your advantage? Absolutely, you have to. And, and again, this game is about finesse and it's about speed. And then there's times it's about power and dominating the man in front of you. So again, you have to have some sort of combination of both. Right now, he's not using his hands, right? And that was something on tape that we saw. So we knew we could attack him. Right? Be patient. And then all we want to do is give him a little rocker step. Attack, 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 and jab. And so really, as he's just trying to close the distance and kind of step on his toes early on and then create that separation, I guess it's very similar to what you would do at the top of like a, a comeback route or a route down the field where you're trying to get close and then pull away late. Right. And it goes back to a couple other things. What other routes do you run that look like this, right? Mm. It could be a slant. Is he going to run a go? Is he going to run a go and then put the brakes on and stop? Right, All those different things. So we want to be able to marry some of these releases into other routes. And another play from this same game. A little bit different part of the field here down in the red zone. Do the rules change for the receivers when you get into this tight area? you got to be more patient. you mm. got to understand the space closes. The quarterback has less room to work. So especially when we're catching this thing and he's trying to get this ball up and down, give him some time to let you get under the football. And one thing we teach our guys is, you know, we want to be able to think this ball's going to the back pylon and then we'll react to any off-target throw, back shoulder, any of those type of throws for the quarterback. So as soon as the safety comes down, in his mind, he should be thinking, I'm getting the ball. So now, again, this is running the go route versus off coverage, yeah. all right? So we've worked some press stuff. Now we're running the go route versus off coverage. We want to get off the ball as fast as we can. We want to press this corner. We got to press this guy. We got to step on his toes. We got to eat up this cushion. And as soon as you pass him again, we want to use our hand to allow him not to get his hands on us at all if he tries. With the DB with his butt to the sideline, he's not going to be able to put his hands on you, right? If he had his butt to the field, now he's going to try to put his hands on you right at this point right here. But again, there's different ways to run goals. There's different ways to connect on these routes. It doesn't always have to be press coverage. Sometimes it's off coverage. If this guy's staring in the backfield, right, a quarterback can do a little subtle things to hold him with his eyes and then make a throw.
one of the buzzwords with wide receiver play and creating that separation, getting into a defender's blind spot. What is, what is the advantage for the receiver in that kind of situation? Well, when you get in the DB's blind spot, he doesn't know, obviously, the whole point. It's like driving in your car. You don't know where that person is if they're in your blind spot. You try to change lanes, and you look back, and you go, oh, shoot, real quick. It's the same thing. This guy doesn't know, is he stopping? Is he going back as a comeback? Is he going to run a dig, or is he going to run a go? He has no idea. So if you can get into that blind spot, it really creates an advantage for us. So, Coach, now like we get into the next phase of this, I guess, right? So uh, the ability to use that vertical speed to set up some different routes. Uh, take us through what you see here on this one against Pittsburgh. So right here again, we got press coverage again. Now we're running a 10-yard stop route or an 8-yard stop route. This route has to look like you're running to go. Our release has to look the same. Our speed off the ball has to look the same. He has to feel go route all day right here. So if you have to make the DB – feel like you are running to go. And if you watch the DB right here, he goes right now, as soon as he opens his hip, this DB saying, oh no, he's about to run the go ball. I have to get on top of him. We got his momentum going way back. The ball's in a great spot right there. We get an easy completion. Coach, I always kind of equate it to a pass rusher coming out of college where, you know, it's speed, speed, speed. But once you know how to create some change-ups, win low side, you know, develop that speed to power rush. Same thing with a receiver. If you've got that ability to win deep and just run by a guy, well, now you can weaponize that speed. And that's where the in-breaking routes come from, the, the intermediate routes, rather. Absolutely. And he does a great job. The DB knows he doesn't want to get beat deep. Use that to your advantage understand where to put yourself in position in the play where he thinks you're doing something that you're not. And uh, that was conversations that they've had, conversations that we had in our receiver room. And, uh, you know, it, it translates to Sundays. Coach, you talked about the stacking, stacking the DB there. That goes hand-in-hand hand with holding the red line as well, right? Absolutely. And, again, if you're running the stop route, you don't want to get stacked complete where the DB's in you in a trail position. That's not where we want him when we're running the stop route. But you got to be able to lean him a little bit inside, make him feel like, again, you always want to hold that red line, but make him feel like you're trying to regain that leverage to run your go route last second, put the brakes on, swim him by, get a catch for the good guys. That was the last clip, Coach. I've got one final question for you. When you're getting guys coming from college, how hard is that to be able to teach every aspect of this? Because obviously uh, some guys have a lot of experience with it. Some guys don't as much. Well, I think it's something that, that we have to drill over and over and over again. you got to constantly show them the tape. Every time that they do it right, you got to show them. Every time that they do it wrong, you got to show them. And then as they continue to, to have results in games, they start to understand the importance of it. And the DBs in the NFL are, are experienced guys. In college, they can, they can hit you up and down the field. They can have contact. In the NFL, these guys are so quick and understand with that five-yard uh, no-contact rule, they have to be great with their feet. They have to be great with their eyes, with their discipline. So we have to be better with our discipline. And that's something that, uh, again, just young guys have to understand that these DBs are going to, every tendency you have, they're going to figure it out. And, and we've got to be able to make as many things look the same as we possibly can. And that's, to me, the, the way you, you get open consistently year after year after year. Well, great stuff there from both Coach Rallis and Coach Moorhead, who you cannot follow on Twitter, but you can go follow me on Twitter. And I'm at EaglesXOs. That's where I post all the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce here at Eagles Entertainment. You know, I appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on social media. That is one way to support the show. But the best way is to go on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Leave us a rating and leave us a comment. Appreciate everybody that has done that throughout the course of all summer long. I mean, we were doing podcasts on a daily basis. Appreciate all the questions we got throughout the course of training camp. Like I said earlier, 
The weekly podcasts start next week with Greg Cosell. Ben Fennel will be back on a weekly basis here on this on this show. So really, really excited to get regular season up and running. Just one episode this week, but starting next week, we will be back for two episodes weekly right here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I am Fran Duffy. We'll talk to you next week.